again, if you weren't here, we started this series on identity. And we looked at uh, the identity crisis that we have in our culture today. And we looked at how this, this idea of an identity crisis, and, and specifically uh, this identity crisis that, that we're going through, how it drastically affects um, teenagers. And, and we looked at kind of why that was. And, and really, on one hand, um, teens are held to adult standards um, and are expected to exhibit grown-up behaviors, you know, in a lot of ways. How many times have you heard people tell you, act your age, something like that, right? Like, and you're like, what does that even mean? Um, but on the other hand, sometimes you guys are looked down upon um, as children, or maybe you're expected in some regard to, uh, to exhibit childish behaviors. And our culture's really kind of confused regarding the identity of teenagers, and we looked at this idea that, you know, there's different ages to do different things like drive and vote and things like, things like that. And how, um, you know, it's really almost like our culture or our society doesn't really know when to classify someone as grown up. <clears throat> and so really we looked at this idea that if adults have trouble identifying uh, who teens are, then it's no wonder that teens themselves struggle with identifying who they are. And, and, I, and, you know, what it, what it really ends up is that you guys are left searching for something to define you, really. And, you know, as a youth pastor, this really scares me because uh, of what we're going to talk about tonight. And, you know, I view kind of my role um, in your lives as someone who really is there to help you find this identity. And, and in doing that... I can't allow my position to waver on, on, what, um, on what I view you guys as. Does that make sense? Like, if I'm going to help you guys find your identity, then I have to be very sound in my idea of what your identity is. And, and so I'm going to tell you guys my position on teen identity tonight. I know it's, that's not super exciting, um, but I'm going to kind of give you guys what I what I expect from you guys and what I kind of think of you guys. And then uh, we're going to jump into uh, our lesson tonight. So let me just tell you real quick, the way that I view teens is like this, okay? So from a biological perspective, if you don't know this about me, I love math, I love science, okay? Like I am big time like analytical, like numbers. I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but for me, it's like the greatest thing ever. So from a biological perspective, um, you guys still have developing prefrontal cortexes. Yeah, look at that. That's a big word. Okay, so that's basically, I'm about to tell you what it is. Chill out. So this is the part of the brain. Listen, shh, don't freak out because I said a science term. Okay, this isn't going to turn into a big science lesson. Just hear me out, okay? So the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain responsible for learning, reasoning, and decision making, right? And, and so with that said, if you guys are in a stage of your life where your prefrontal cortex is still developing, I expect you guys to sometimes fail in these areas of learning, reasoning, and decision-making. So I expect you guys to make mistakes or possibly bad decisions from time to time. And honestly, I don't expect you guys to act like adults. However, now that sounds like I think you guys are kids, but hear me out here. I want, and I will, Treat you guys like adults because that's what I view you as. And, and that sounds weird, but I view you guys as young adults who desperately need a safe space to make mistakes and poor decisions without it drastically altering the course of your life. 
right? I would love to be a place in here where you guys can come, and if you do something dumb, no one gets hurt, right? Like, I don't want you guys to make mistakes out in the world. I know that sounds weird, but I don't want you to make mistakes out there that, that can maybe derail your life or whatever. I want you guys to be here so that I can help you guys learn through your mistakes and become a better adults. And, and so, in a way, I want you to be able to learn uh, without facing major consequences. And so I'm going to give you guys in here and throughout our ministry, I'm going to give you guys as many opportunities as possible to adult. Okay. I know that's like adulting is a thing, I guess. I don't know. I don't do it much, but, um, but I want to give you guys a chance to adult while also being a place where you can come. And when you inevitably do make a mistake, I want you guys to know that if you come to me and you're like, Hey, I messed up. I made a mistake that you're not going to face like some sort of condemnation or judgment for your actions. Um, you know, you guys are, are adults, but you don't deserve to be held to the same standard as older adults, right? You haven't had the same life experiences that I have. And so you shouldn't be expected to act and behave the same way I do, right? Does that make sense to you guys? Do you understand where I'm going with this? And, and so what I really want to tell you guys tonight, kind of just starting out here, is that I want you guys to feel comfortable knowing that you can talk to me, you can talk to Haley, you can talk to Kimberly and Peggy and, any, and anyone else who's in here. I know Justin and Steve are in here from time to time. Um, but I want you guys to know that this is a safe place where you guys can come talk to us and know that we're not going to be like mad at you or like be like, you're the worst person ever or anything. Like, don't be scared to talk to us because we're here to help you guys grow and help you guys learn and help you guys develop as adults, right? Like that's what this, that's what this space and this time's for. Now we we're going to obviously emphasize this idea of spiritual growth in that, but this is a place where we want you guys to be able to grow as adults. So does that make sense to you guys? I hope we're all on the same page there. Um, so tonight we're going to look at what things teens typically put their identity in, but shouldn't, okay? So we're going to look at five things over the next five weeks um, that I think create what I'm going to call our false identity, false being spelled F-A-L-S-E, which for me, spelling is kind of challenging. I told you I'm a math and science guy, not a spelling guy, okay? But false, F-A-L-S-E. And so tonight, there's a reason I'm spelling it out for you. It's because each of these is going to start with those letters. See how that works? Yeah. I think that's called like an acronym, right? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, uh, so tonight we're going to look at the F in false identity. And, and I think that this is honestly something that some of you are going to have a really hard time with um, because it's really, um, I think it's probably the most common source of misplaced identity for teens. And that is that we create our identity through our friends. Okay, so the F in false identity is friends. So if you write nothing else down tonight, put F-A-L-S-E out to the side and write friends. And bring that back next week, and I'll give you the A, and then, okay, you see how this is going to work. Okay, so the most common source of misplaced identity in teens is that we create our identity through our friends. Now, we allow ourselves really to be defined by who our friends are, or maybe how many friends we have. And, and I know tonight, um, we were kind of laughing at that intro video. I found that, and I was like, man, that's, I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know. But I don't know if any of you guys have ever had an experience like that, 
um, where you know we experience this we experience this influence in social circles, right? And everyone starts to act and behave and maybe even dress the same way, right? Influence is a very powerful thing. We have to be able to tell the difference between good influence and bad influence. Proverbs 18:24 says, "The righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray." See, this is saying that the, the good influences on in our life are, are a guide, but bad influences will lead us to a path of not good things. I'm not going to say destruction, but I'll say destruction. We've got to strive to surround ourselves with good influences and avoid bad influences in our lives. And I think that this idea of avoiding bad influences in our lives can be really hard and emotionally heartbreaking because a lot of you probably have a good friend that you know is a bad influence. And, and that person may have popped into your head as we were talking about this. And now that we're sitting here talking about the importance of uh, removing bad influences from our lives, you may be sitting here wondering how you're going to handle that relationship uh, from now on. And really, I think there's a couple things you can do if you have a relationship with someone who's a bad influence in your life. First, um, work really hard to be a positive influence to them, right? We talked about the, the verse said that the righteous is a guide to his neighbor. So work to try to be the positive influence in their life instead of the other way around, right? And, and I realize that this is very challenging, and I've got a little way to demonstrate uh, um, how challenging that is in just a second. Uh, but, but I want you guys to, to realize that this is possible, right? That, that you can be a positive influence in someone's life. And, and I mean, you can do things like invite them to church, allow other people to be a positive influence on them, or maybe don't be afraid to tell them uh, when they say or do something that makes you uncomfortable or you don't agree with, right? When they're being a bad influence, don't be afraid to let them know they're being a bad influence, which is hard, right? That's why this is a hard thing to talk about. So that's the first thing is try to be a positive influence on them. And ultimately, the second thing, if you're unable to positively influence them and they continue to be a bad influence on you, you may have to make the tough decision to end that friendship or, or in that relationship. Um, you know, Scripture warns us the danger of continuing to keep bad influences around. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good morals. And I think that this is a stern warning because... I mean, we could be sitting here, you guys could come to church every time the doors are open, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you guys could be here all the time, and you could have these great morals, this great understanding of God's word and his teaching, and you could be doing so many things right in your life, and, uh, and you could even know all right from wrong, but could be completely derailed by who you allow to be around you and be a bad example on you. And I said that we're going we're to talk, I was going to show you guys an example real quick, um, who wants to help me with an example? Yeah, Dakota, come up here. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> skills. Um, yeah, nope. That was way cooler. So, to give you guys an idea, look up here. To give you guys an idea of what it, what it like, okay, so in this, in this example, I'm going to try to be the good influence, and Dakota is going to be try to be the bad influence, okay? So what I'm going to try to do, no, I'm not saying he's a bad influence, chill. Okay, no, look, look at me. Hey, Dakota, here's what, no, 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 Sharpie down. Don't be an actual bad influence. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do, okay? Here, grab my hand, okay? So 
Well, I'm going to try to pull you up on the stage with me, okay? I'm going to try to be a positive influence and pull you up here with me. No, don't actually help me. Goodness. What a bad influence. Okay. Okay, so I could, like, dislocate his shoulder if I kept trying to do that. Okay, I'm way bigger than you, too. So now try to pull me down off the stage. Oh, come on. Give it a shot. Okay. That, he gave it his all. Okay. We can all sit here, and we can, we can probably agree that if we were to have a, a, a contest of strength or power, that I would probably win that power battle between me and Dakota, right? But yet, I wasn't able to pull him up on stage with me, but he was pretty easily able to pull me off the stage to him. And this is, I know, it's an example, okay? It's a metaphor. No, but it's really this idea that it's a lot easier to be pulled down in your life than it is for you to pull someone up, right? It's a lot easier to be, to be derailed or have bad, bad influences affect you negatively than it is for your good influences to affect someone positively. And I'm not saying that to, to, to try to concern you guys or freak you out, but just realize that if you try to go the route of being a positive influence in someone, there's going to be challenges and it's going to be hard. And you're going to be tempted a lot of times to be pulled down in that scenario. And I think this is really why being a part of a youth group is so important, right? Because if we're supposed to surround ourselves with people of a like mind and mission, people who also understand the importance of surrounding themselves with good company. So this idea of being in a youth group and being around people who also want to be around people who are good influences, that's a good thing, right? Being in a room full of good influences is better than being in a room of mostly good influences and some bad influences, right? So that's the importance of being here and spending time uh, with, your, with your youth group. And we, we kind of talked about, and uh, we'll talk about this more as, as events get closer, but I'm really going to work um, to, to make more events that we can do as a youth group, that, that we can spend more time together and get to hang out a lot more and get to, get to spend time um, together. So, uh, but we need to surround ourselves with people who are good, uh, are good influences. So why is this idea of guarding who influences us so important? Well, as the video showed us, we all have things that we learned from other people, or maybe we've seen things that other people do that they learned from us. Have you ever like, I know people don't like, I, I talk like an old person sometimes, like I'll say like, golly darn, and like, I don't know, I can't think of something, but if you ever hear me like say something, like a lot of people are like, where did you hear that? And I'm like, my grandpa used to say that, like, you know, like I talk like an old person, but um, there's times that I'll say things that I never hear anyone else say, and then when people spend some time around me, I'll hear them say it one time, and I'm like, you totally stole that from me. Like, that's mine. Don't steal my catchphrase. And, and, and I think that we've all probably experienced this either in the receiving end or the, or the having something stolen from us in, right? We, we imitate the behavior of those who are around, whether it's how we dress, how we talk, or how we behave. We allow our outward appearance, our perceived identity, to be influenced by other people. And, and I get this, right? There, there's this social pressure to fit in and belong, but, but at what cost do we do that? 
Like at what cost do we allow ourselves to be changed by those around us? Too often teens allow their peers to define them in formative ways. And when this happens, we surrender our individuality and we begin to live our lives through a stereotyped social lens. Um, I, wasn't, I was kind of debating on whether or not I want to do this, uh, but I see a few people wearing them tonight and I just, I, th I don't understand this trend, but I think it's kind of funny, not that it's bad. No, but how many of you guys are wearing, or let's even say own, a pair of jeans that you bought that had holes already in them? Okay, okay. A lot of hands went up. Some of you are wearing those jeans right now, okay? And I'm not saying, yeah, they're, they're my church jeans. They're holy, okay? No, but I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But let me ask you this question, and this is a rhetorical question. This is a rhetorical question, not looking for an actual answer. But why did you buy jeans that already had a hole in them? I said it's a rhetorical question, okay? Like, it's popular right now, right? Like, it's what everyone wears. Like, that's a normal... It's a trend, okay? Whatever. It is a trend. Don't argue with me. Okay. Okay. But we, we live our lives through this stereotype lens of what other people maybe tell us is right or tell us is cool or tell us um, is normal. And, and like I said, when this happens, we surrender our individuality. And when we look at this idea, for, if we look at this through a Christian perspective, we've got to understand that God made each and every one of us individually and made us unique and, and made us with, with, you know, separate identities and separate gifts and separate talents and separate personalities so that we could all work together to do God's work. And so when we, when we allow ourselves to be changed and... Um, and, and fit in, we surrender that individuality that God has given us. Um, and the worst part of this is that this view of ourselves or the identity that we per portray may be nothing like the person we actually are. And, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. I experienced this a lot whenever I was your age. Whenever I was in high school, um, I was in the band. I went to church, so I had my youth group, and I played basketball. I did other things too, but like, let's just look at those three, Okay. So, so at times, I had three different identities at three different times of the day. On a Wednesday, I would go to band in the morning, and I would act like the band kids. I would go to basketball practice in the afternoon, and I would ask, act like the jocks, act like the basketball kids. And then at night, I would go to church, and I would act like the church kids, right? And I would have three separate personalities or three separate identities that I would put on all in the same day. And, and as I got older, I started to realize that I really only had one identity. And, and what I needed to do was I needed to embrace it regardless of what social group I was around or what people I was surrounding myself with. And, and I looked at, uh, you know, I, I found this, this scripture where Paul is talking in Galatians uh, 2.6 about how God views our outward appearance or, or this outward appearance that we put out. And it says, uh, for those who seem to be important, whatever they are, makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. And I think this shows us a couple things here. First, God does not fall for the acts that we put on. If you come to church every week and act right and do good things, you know, people might look at you and be like, hey, you know, they're a good godly person. You know, they're a good Christian person. 
But God does not judge by this. He judges by the heart. And this should serve as a wake-up call to anyone who hasn't, uh, who hasn't surrendered their heart to God. That if you are not, if you're just going through the motions and you're just doing the church thing, and you haven't fully surrendered to God, God will, while, while me and other adults may not be able to see past that, God will. And you will be judged according to how your heart is. And, um, but this also shows us, one, that God can see through that, but two, God does not define us by our relationships with others. He doesn't define us, de- define us by the social circles we're in. He defines us by our commitment and our obedience to him and his word. And, and guys, I get it. This can be really hard in our culture and in some so- social circles to follow God and, and his commands. Um, and I have students tell me all the time that they feel connected to God when they're at church, um, but then they feel like he's not with them the rest of the week. And my first question to them is always, how much time are you spending with God outside of church? But a good follow-up question to that is, does the way that you live when you're not at church reflect God? We have to allow our relationships with God to be the only relationship that influences us, right? We can surround ourselves with all these good influences we want, and you should, right? Scripture is very clear that we need to surround ourselves with good influences, but you can surround yourself with all the good influences possible, but in the end, everyone's a bad influence. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. The only good influence that you should put around yourself and allow it to influence you is God and his word. Romans 2.12 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to read that again. And, and I want you to just kind of take a second and to really think about what this means. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Guys, we've got to stop allowing ourselves to be influenced by our friends. Stop allowing them, stop, stop allowing them to be where you place your identity. Instead, we should do what it says in Romans and be transformed to prove that the will of God is to use us, right? We know that, that God wants to use us. He wants to use the talents and the abilities that he's given every one of you guys. His will is to use you for his purpose. And so we cannot be conformed to the world, but we have to renew our minds to show that will of God in our lives. And guys, the will of God is that all of his children, all of you guys here tonight, would desire to follow him and to place your identity in him like we talked about last week, right? We talked about this idea of placing our identity in God and being a part of his family. And and that's what he wants for you guys. He wants for you to follow him and to be a part of his family. So so I'm going to tell you guys what we're going to do tonight. We're going to wrap up real quick. And and I'm going to ask Kimberly, Haley, can you guys just go to the back of the room real quick? You're not in trouble. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you guys, and, um, and then we're going to play one more song. And it's a song, again, it's going to be played on the stereo like the first one was. Um, but I want this to be a time where you just really think about 
Maybe the influences on your life. Think about who's influencing you. Think about who, who's, what influences you put around you, what ones you should maybe remove, things like that. Um, and ultimately, I want to think about where you place your identity. Do you put your identity with God? Do you put your identity in Christ like we talked about last week? And, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray here in a second. And, if, and, and then we're going to play this song. And any time in that time, whether it's during the prayer while everyone's eyes are closed or do, when it's during the song and you just feel like you need someone to talk to, maybe you just need someone to pray with you and say like, hey, I have some bad influences in my life and I just need for you to pray that, that I can not be affected by them. I want you guys to feel comfortable to go back there, talk with, with Kimberly, Haley. I'm sure Miss Peggy would be happy to, to pray with you or talk with you as well. But I just want this to be a time where you can reflect on the influences in your life and make sure that you've got your identity where it needs to be with God. So I'm going to pray for you guys real quick, and then, and then Dakota's going to play one more song for us. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your will to use us. Thank you for the individual identities you give us. And I pray that you would help us to turn from bad influences and to not be influenced by the wrong people, God. That we would only be influenced by you and your word. God, I pray that you would help these students to realize uh, how you want to use them and, and that you would give them the strength to maybe make some tough decisions, make some tough calls in who they allow to influence them, God. I pray that as we enter into this time that you would help them all to reflect on, on who they are and who influences them and allow them to, uh, to see your plan for